Welcome back to the Photog Adventures podcast. I'm Aaron King. I'm Brendan Porter. And we are the Photog Adventurers. This year, 2016, we have dedicated our time outside of work, outside of family duties to build our photography portfolios. And you can follow along with us on our YouTube channel, on our Twitter, on our Instagram, 500px, or here at photogadventures.com. And today we are going to talk about Bryce Canyon. So the Bryce Cannon area was settled by Mormon pioneers in the, well, I'd say the 1850s and was named after Ebenezer Bryce, who was the homestead, who homesteaded the area in 1874. Now, the area around Bryce Canyon uh, became a national monument in 1923 and was designated as a national park in 1928. The rim at Bryce varies from 8,000 to 9,000 feet, oh, which man. is that's, that's <laughs> incredible. higher than I thought it was. Yeah, we went out there on the 11th of August to capture the Perseid meteor shower, and I had it all planned out. I looked at our maps on Google Earth, and I focused on, okay, this is our best area. From this point, we'll park, and we'll walk down into the canyon. Google Earth let me down because I thought on there what looked like a gradual small hike just down a, slant, a slight slant of a hill. It turned out to be a cliff. No, it's a cliff between nine and 8,000 feet. <laughs> <laughs> and to so, walk up on that at 10 p.m. at night and realize there was no other choice. We had no, no hope. Way we're going down there. We're yeah. staying up on the rim. And it was freezing cold because <laughs> that rim was blowing 40-degree air the entire time right over us. It was like being in a giant like blow dryer oh, that was yeah. blowing cold air from a refrigerator. That was amazing. We had camped several times by this point, and we had a little bit of a cooler night, which was nice because it was so hot during the day. This night, man, we should have come with everything, and we came with only summertime camping stuff. It was crazy. It was too cold. So today we're going to talk about that trip out to Bryce Canyon and capturing the Perseid meteor shower. If you don't know what the Perseid meteor showers are, it's when once a year in August, the most prolific meteor shower of the year happens. It's very consistent. You can depend on it and they actually can dictate the exact peak of the meteor shower. So you know on this night between midnight and 4 a.m. is the peak of the meteor shower and that was August 11th. So we wanted to go out to a location where we'd have good weather and a nice dark sky so we can capture as many meteors in one shot. At one point in the drive, I said, man, we're going to have like 25 to 50 meteors in our frame. Mm. At that point, we might even stop and change locations because we've already covered the night. Hmm. Yeah. And that's not what happened. No. It <laughs> seems like every time we pointed the camera in any one direction, the meteors were all showing up on the other side. <laughs> and we would turn the cameras around, and then we see bright ones flashing behind us again. And it was just like, yeah, it was like trying to catch fairies or something. It was ridiculous. So our yeah. original plan <laughs> was we're going to go out to Strawberry Reservoir, past that to this place called the Strawberry Pinnacles. We had never been out there. We'd seen pictures. It's this interesting rock formation where the road drives right through these two pinnacles, jut out of nowhere. It could be a nice, awesome dark sky location, a really mm -hmm. interesting foreground, place we've never been. It seemed like a perfect trip for our meteor shower. So we went there the week before the peak because we didn't have time to go the following weekend. And then 
we got we got clouded out in Strawberry Pinnacles. We got really badly clouded out. Yeah, I did a little bit of time lapse, and even though we knew it wasn't going to be good, and the clouds were just solid right above our face the entire time, and it was just <laughs> yeah. obnoxious. So completely so. skunked, we decided, okay, next weekend we got to make this work. Where do we want to go? Where could be better weather? Where could we have a better chance of having a clear sky? And the area around Bryce Canyon was really looking perfect, and Bryce Canyon was on our list already to go out to. Mm-hmm. Bryce Canyon is a fantastic place. I've been there before, a couple years before, with my family. And that might have been the first time I'd actually gone out there. And I've wanted to go forever. Because I used to use a 3D program called Bryce, which is which was inspired by the creator from his trip out there. When he really? Went on he named his program Bryce because yes. of Bryce Canyon? Yes. <laughs> and he went out there and he went on vacation in the early 90s. And he was a programmer and he started doing it and he wanted to create a 3D program that could recreate the rock formations that he fell in love with over at Bryce Canyon. Seriously? Yeah. <laughs> and I was using that, I've been using that software since it was an alpha version back in 94. So first we um, wanted, the sun was starting to set as we were going out there after dinner. So of we course. wanted to run over and grab some sunset pictures of a cool area. We turned off the main road towards Fish Lake. And of course, like if, there's like probably a hundred fish lakes in every state, you know, so <laughs> just like one of the fish side. lakes, just like Mirror Lake, there's probably a hundred fish lakes in every state. <laughs> and uh, so we headed over to Fish Lake and uh, saw a sign for that, went on the dirt road, had fun driving up that road. And it looked promising, like we could get yeah. up on that hill and be at the crest and maybe see nothing else in front of us, but just a nice open view. So right, there's lots of rocks that. and little trees and stuff that yeah. could be interesting that could be in our shot along with that awesome sunset on a really high peak and we got to the top of this hill and it was just kind of like nah, it was okay yeah. it wasn't like that fantastic like, and it was maybe like, we go a little further yeah and it's just like but that by that by the time we got to the top of the hill and got our cameras unpacked and everything uh, it, the sun was already like past setting and so the light wasn't that great classic so, photog adventure yeah so anyways we got the drone out flew it around that was fun yeah it was a really cool area up there on the top of that hill Everything was green. There were green lichen on the rocks. There were green bushes and sagebrush. Everything around there had this olive green look to it. And so I really set up my shot based on this rock that had a lot of green lichen, matching the green of the bush in front of me, and then the trees out in the distance had more of a darker evergreen look, and then the sunset. And I think it was a really cool idea, Mm -hmm. but like you said, we just didn't get there in time. Yeah, and the clouds were diminishing. It just wasn't as good as when we were pulling up. The sun was doing great, shining big old rays through the clouds and looked amazing. We're like, yeah. oh, let's hurry and get that great shot. And eh. <laughs> everything so. we saw that we thought, okay, get up on there. We'll be at the top. It wasn't the top. We'd keep going. But luckily, mm-hmm. I had my brother with us, and he brought the go- he brought the drone up the hill for us. That was nice, yeah, because we had our cameras. <laughs> yeah. So he, he Jameson carried the drone, and that was cool. And so we... Uh, yeah, we were able to uh, fly that around for a few minutes and have fun with that instead. And that pretty much was the only place we were allowed to fly the drone on the whole Rice Canyon trip. So that was fun at least to get that in. Mm-hmm. So yeah. carrying on, we continued down this path. We went past and we came off of I-15, a major interstate, and went down the back roads to Bryce Canyon. So we saw all these cool little cities and areas that we would never have seen if we had gone another way. And suddenly, around a corner, our lights shined on what looked like the silo. But the silo in this situation had the whole wooden mill 
connected to yeah, it like still. A big red barn. An abandoned, haunted mill. It was awesome. Yeah. So we heard and hit the brakes, screeched, turned around, and grabbed our cameras and spent, what, the next 40 minutes to an hour there. Mm-hmm. It was yeah. really cool. The location, we were mostly scouting it and testing out our compositions because the moon was at a 56% illumination. It was a waxing gibbous, and so it didn't offer us much sight of the Milky Way, if any at all. It looked like the sunlight. True. But it did, but it did provide some backlighting and some other lighting situation for that for that uh, silo and that mill. So yeah, and so it's really cool to pass by that really cool place and having a third person with us who could light paint way down the road, mm. and we would yell out a command and we would start light painting, and then he'd yell out car, and we like game off, and we'd mm-hmm. go off to the side <laughs> of the road, take our tripods. And we'd go back to our location, and that did make it hard to have a composite. I was trying to composite mm-hmm. multiple light paintings together, and those cars would come. So we had to settle on compositions that put us just outside of the lane in the road so that we can keep our tripods where yeah. they were. Yeah. But didn't you feel like sometimes when a car was coming by that they were not going to see our tripod and just tap it with the side of their bumper? I was or afraid something. every yeah, I mean, time that they pull into it. Yeah, there wasn't much par, There wasn't much shoulder, so we couldn't really pull over very far. No, so. I put my body somewhere safe, and they just hoped that my tripod and camera was going to be okay. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. that's the cool part about going in a location where you don't take the major interstate that has just a few exits that you can stop by. You can go down those side roads. The miles per hour changes from 25 miles per hour to 60, so it's a lot slower that route. But, man, mm. it was certainly cool to go out that way. There were some really cool areas, and that's that's what's kind of, what, kind of cool about going off the beaten path is discovering new little places. So Yeah, absolutely. Another thing, oh, man, when you're out on a trip like this and you're going for three days and you're camping, when you camp, it's not as bad. But when you stay up the entire night practically trying to capture astrophotography, you just feel more gamey faster. You feel dirty. You want to change. You want to shower. I had this opportunity finally during this window of time that we could change. And I went into their bathroom at Bryce Canyon. And man, it was crazy busy. I had to wait in line forever till I got open, till I got a chance to go into the stall that could actually close the door behind me. And people had come in from I don't know where, and water was everywhere. They were washing their hands really haphazardly, and water was splashing around. And so here I am standing next to a toilet trying to change all of my clothes, interiors and exteriors. I wanted to be totally fresh. And so I'm taking off my pants, standing on my shoe, balancing one foot while I try and rip the pants cuff off the end of my heel and oh I'm tipping I'm tipping and I had to get my balance again on my other shoes before I fall down on my butt in the wet dirty oh. bathroom stall and so I was really freaked out plus people were walking by and it's one of those stalls where yeah it locks but it has like almost a half inch gap up and down the stall so if anyone looked at me I'd be sitting there doing crisscross applesauce yoga position standing on one foot completely naked trying to put on my new clothes put on a nice dry pair with the wet pair coming off this side nice clean pair of pants over here and then one dirty pant leg over there and I was just working every skill I had in balance trying to get that change to happen in a dirty, wet location. You know what's funny is I think there's two bathrooms in that place. I think I got the other bathroom that was a lot cleaner and drier. Where did you go? I wondered if there's you like went in there. There's like a north side and a south side. And did I you not see the that... handicap sign on it? It was for handicaps and like for older no, people. No, there was tons of people in there, regular people. What was it, a party in there? <laughs> no, it was like, actually there wasn't very many people in there. It was actually really nice. So. I went in there expecting you to be one of those people I saw out there, and I'm like, where is Brendan? Mine was easy. I did did the same thing. I changed too, but I think it was. Was it carpeted and had couches? 
Yeah, yeah. There's a gold um, like a <laughs> pillar you can rest yourself on. <laughs> <laughs> he had bidets and everything, yeah, and they had yeah. a guy with towels. And I'm it's, on the other side where I'm bouncing around with basket, truckers. Yeah. I had to call that trucker in to help me stabilize myself while I put on my. So let's take a break, and then we'll go to the next funny, funny story before we go on the rest of the segment. <laughs> Welcome back to the Photok Adventures podcast. We're in segment two, where we're going to finish off our trip chronicle, and then we'll go into what went well. So we don't always have a third person with us. It's kind of rare, actually. People well, don't yeah, usually like, want to yeah. leave their house at 11 a.m. or 11 p.m. and stay out until the next morning. They they want to sleep during those hours. Right. Well, like, Trav came with us a couple times, and then um, Jameson. This is his first time with us, and. And so, but it's always, it always adds a new interesting dynamic when it's the third person <laughs> yeah. with us. So that was kind of fun. So Jameis and I have, we found out pretty quickly after this incident that we had a very similar sense of humor. And uh, we pulled in this one site that was right by the, there's a couple of tunnel rocks that you drive through when oh, you yeah. first enter Bryce. That's cool. And after one of them, we were going back out. Oh, to no, you're location. not talking about that story, are you? And we pulled up in the parking lot. <laughs> this giant human turd oh, man. on the road. <laughs> and James and I both noticed. We were like, look at that huge turd. And Aaron's like, nope. I Turns refuse his head away. to look. He's like, I won't look at it. And we're just like, we just egged it up as much as we could. It was hilarious. <laughs> we're just laughing at him so bad. Oh, uh, I did not want to see so anything. It was nasty. It was I'm, nasty, but Jameson and I were both, both laughing our butts off <laughs> about it. And, Are you yeah. sure it was a human turd? Oh, yeah. Yeah. I guess I don't want to know what your evidences no, are that was, point to it being a human turd. I mean, we spotted it from like, I mean, it was like, it was, I mean, it was, it was probably all five car lengths away. We could spot it. We spotted it. We're <laughs> like, holy cow, look at that huge turd on the ground. I know it's <laughs> outside of Bryce Canyon and it's just up the road, but on a pullout like that, who would actually do that? Yeah, well, that's what, that was so interesting and gross about it is that someone... Just last the night before, maybe just couldn't hold it, and uh, right in the parking lot there, just at, let it let it go. At least it didn't ruin any nature with it. Yeah, it was it was nasty. <laughs> oh my Anyways, gosh. we had fun with that one. Uh, I wish I'd have known this was the story you wanted to go towards. <laughs> <laughs> so now let's talk about photographically. How did it go? What went well for us with our cameras? What went well capturing these shots? And Brendan, go ahead and you start. So. The trip was in a very iconic place, you know, like we, we went to Bryce Canyon and it was just amazing. And, um, it was hard to pick a really a good spot to take pictures of cause it all looks so amazing. Kind of overwhelming, huh? It was. And so you can't really like just side, well, this is the spot. I, mean, <laughs> I don't know. Like you've got to go there a lot of times to figure out what your best spots are. So, oh yeah. um, so, I mean, it was cool the fact that we went to this awesome place. Um, the pictures that I took and the time-lapse that I got were actually pretty good. I was pretty happy with them. Um, I took a few pictures of your brother in this little side canyon, and that was really cool. Those turned out really well, and he's just going to use those for social media. But So I, I That's cool. you know, yeah, developed them up a little bit and sent them off to him, and he was really happy about that so he could use them on his Facebook and stuff. And so not many times you have an opportunity, I think, you know, to go out with someone and actually have some some cool pictures taken in a really iconic place, you know, for personal use. So that was kind of nice to be able to do that for him. My situation went a little poorer, but mm. uh, what went well, I would say, is it was my first major trip with that Faisal tripod. Oh, yeah. And I found out how nice it is and how light it works. Hiking up the hill for the sunrise the first night, 
hiking around Bryce Canyon, setting it up where I needed to set it up for initially the sun, or I'm sorry, the sun, it was the moon. It just came out like the sun. The moon was shining on Bryce Canyon, but it was cutting off. It was just low enough on the horizon that we were cutting off the lower half of the Bryce Canyon area. And so it wasn't a good enough shot to be what I would want to say, hey, check out this portfolio piece of all these meteors. So mm-hmm. I wanted to capture a portfolio balanced composition with the meteors, and you had a really cool composition with the trees. I mean, we were in Bryce Canyon, but the trees were an awesome subject. Yeah, right outside our first night that we camped on the rim. Right on the rim. I don't think we're supposed to camp there, actually, but they, you know the. Nah, you, you but aren't. We, did. <laughs> <laughs> we were we did. camping. Nobody, like, busted us. They just told us we got to go in the morning. When you're up on. until three thirty and then you fall asleep for two hours, does it count as camping? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, we had sleeping bags set up. Or, my, I mean, I had the tent set up. So. That's true. He was kicking your tent in the morning, saying, yeah. time to pack up, guys. Yeah. People were hiking at 4 in the morning around us. That was awesome. Oh, that was the worst part about it. Yeah. So what went really well with the tripod is that it has no center column, and it adapts really well, arms spread out wide. Mm. I did find that as light as this carbon fiber tripod is, it does move more than other tripods. It doesn't just put its legs down and settle in. It needs everything else to be working perfectly in conjunction with it. Otherwise, it will slip and slide and pull itself up. I have to put the weight of the camera on the tripod to kind of keep it weighted down, plus my bag. And that mm. would keep it in place. And it works great being light, but it is a little movable. And so when I would put it down on this slick, slick rock on the rim, I found that I was moving it around too much, just tapping the next button or changing this. Oh, and I could see that see. My, it would move overnight. I was set up for a four-hour time lapse, and so I wanted to make sure that the time lapse wasn't going to move once. So I ended up having to go really wide-legged as far as I could, spider it out, and spread its legs so that it can get some balance. And you know that was pretty nice. If I didn't have the center, if I had a center column, I couldn't have done that. And right. the ease of setting it up like that—that's pretty awesome. I'm loving the Faisal tripod. Other than it's just a little bit imbalanced being light. So there's not much else to say what went well with the trip on me because I have some bad news when it comes to what didn't go well. So before we go into what did we learn from this trip, is there anything else you want to add for what went well? So what went well was the next night we hiked into the canyon. It was much warmer. Yeah. There was less wind. And a little we precarious. Just, yeah, you had a really – yeah, that's true. The, 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 the hikes, the trails inside the actual canyon are very, very narrow for the most part. I mean, oh, yeah. there's very little walking space. And so unless you're down at the very basin, there's not really a place to, like, sleep. And Nothing so, level. Yeah, the places we wanted to go to and stay up all night were very precarious. And so we found the best spots we could, and we made the best of it. And it worked out fairly well. I definitely got better sleep the next night. And uh, even though I brought in my huge, crazy sleeping bag and foam pad and all that stuff. Right. Very comfortable, though. (laughs) (laughs) Imagine a giant brontosaurus back that's sitting still, hasn't moved, has a slope, a gradual slope, not a very steep slope, but at the very peak of his back, imagine me putting a tripod up, curling around it with my sleeping bag and sleeping on that slope. Mm -hmm. That's what I slept on. Yeah. But it was pretty awesome. If we weren't so rushed the next morning, we would have had some cool pictures of that. But we were rushed Mm -hmm. to capture everything. We were rushed to make sure we got back in time with the car rental. And so it was a little rushed that morning, but it was pretty awesome. So let's continue with that. What did we learn from this trip? Now, I really don't want to talk about this because it was very depressing. 
if you see the video before you hear this podcast, you know what I'm talking about. So I'll just jump right to it without being a major surprise. I was using my Velo Shutterboss Intervalometer, and I've realized it last trip when we were out what went wrong. I got my tripod set up. I got my light painting done on the tree. I was using the time lapse to light paint. I could see the timer flashing. I could see it turn off, wait the five seconds that I told it to wait in between, and then capture another 20 seconds. And when I came back the next morning and looked at my shot, I got one single frame. It was just a solid white frame. Mm. That beautiful, wonderful night. I was already frustrated that I couldn't be down in Bryce Canyon like I had planned. And I was like compromising where I'm at Bryce Canyon, taking the meteors, but I'm only looking at a tree, which is disappointing because I could be in the backyard or I could be at Bryce Canyon. You'd never really know. And so then I see that my frame is a thousand, thousands of seconds of just constant shutter being open until the battery died. And then that was my frame, one white shot. And so what happens, and I'll show you here, Brendan, Here's my intervalometer. I have a self-timer that says in five seconds mm -hmm. it'll take its first picture. And then it's going to take a 17-second shot for long, and then the interval will be 22 seconds. It's very confusing, and I mess it up every time I try and use this, <laughs> even though I've used it several times. So when I was looking through here and checking my settings, I was just using the right and left button. But the right and left button's part of a wheel, and I'm going through. It's flashing on every single option. So the hour option, the minute option, the second option. Right. And then it goes to the next one. And so you're navigating through all of these, and you're having to hit them about nine times to get to the option you want. And so you get lazy, and I got lazy. And I got lazy, unfortunately, on the long, and I accidentally hit it up, or I hit it down trying to hit over to the right and left. And so what happened oh, was, was like my shutter, no, it was 99 hours. Mm. My shutter was told to go for 99 hours, zero seconds, or zero minutes and 17 seconds. And mm. you, you don't notice that you do that when you're just trying to go over because it's all flashing. Mm -hmm. The 99 shows up. You just accidentally go down a little bit too much when you go over, and it's easy to hit that down. Wow. So I th I'm pretty sure that's what happened. In the morning when I tried to check my intervalometer, I was trying to get it to turn on, and I held both buttons down. That resets all the settings, and so I couldn't tell what my settings were anymore, and I would have seen that 99 on there. That's what oh, I think happened, yeah. is that the st I stupidly hit my 99, sec 99 hours, and so it did exactly as I told it. It was obeying me. Mm. Unfortunately, that's the stupidest thing in the world. Yeah, that is... Ugh. I mean, that's days and days of a shutter open. I mean, that's, yeah, that's kind of weird. Yeah, completely ruined my night, yeah. completely ruined my trip. So then I had the next night to try again, and we're going to talk about that after we take one more break, and we'll finish off our podcast tonight with gear time and tip of the week. segment of the Photog Adventures podcast. I was talking about how I failed on the first night, which was the peak of the meteor shower, so that was incredibly disappointing. You see my face in the Photog Adventure video. I'm in the car, and I'm just discouraged. Discouraged that it happened, can't believe it happened, and so I turned to installing Magic Lantern on this camera and used that to be my intervalometer, and it's far more trustworthy because you can see it right there on the screen. I knew it was going, and I knew it was working. All I had to do was wait for the moon. Right before I hit the shutter for the first strike of my time lapse, there was a huge strike. 
right in front of me, giant right across from the top left corner, the bottom left corner, bottom right corner. It was going to be awesome. I wish I could have captured that one, but it gave me confidence that I'm in the right spot. I'm going to see a ton. Mm. Well, I didn't have a white frame the next morning, but what I found out was in the two and a half hours I really only had before astronomical dawn crept in and it became too bright of a sky to see more meteors, I only had four meteors cross my frame. And not only that, but those four meteors were only in the bottom right corner of my frame. Hmm. Two of them went behind my foreground structures, so they bl- went mm-hmm. behind the rock formation and never terminated in view. And then the other two were roughly the same looking ones, just a little bit more out in the frame. And that's it. Nothing up in the left, nothing up at the top. It was really disappointing and, frankly, a bust. It was a bust for me. And that's kind of how I felt, too. I felt like I saw way more just lying in my back looking up than my camera would have. I mean, if I was going to do it again, all over again, I guess this is what I learned, is I would get a 10-millimeter a very wide, wide angle. angle, like basically a 180 millimeter lens, fish eye. you know, fisheye lens and just point it straight up next to me, you know, just, just lie down in my same bag and just point it straight up and capture every 20 seconds forever on that. And just, you know, when I went online and checked the social media and Instagram being jealous of the one shots that worked out, most of them were very fisheye. Mm-hmm. And yeah. I think that's what they learned. And they we just came, and did it and said, we just came that, unprepared 10 millimeter next time. Yeah. All right, this week for gear time, I'm going to talk about memory cards. Um, everybody's got them. Everybody needs them. If you're going to be taking pictures digitally, this is your film. Um, now, memory cards are really cheap these days. So we're lucky to be in a digital age where they are so cheap now. I mean, oh, you can man. get 32 gig cards for less than $10. I mean, this is ridiculous. <laughs> you know, you can take so many pictures on 32 gigs. It's beautiful. Yeah. So, you know, you can never have enough. I mean, I always have three or four of these cards. And the m- smallest I have now is probably 116 gig, and everything else is 32 and then like 164. And usually my 64 is totally enough for the entire weekend. Oh, yeah. Unless I start doing too many time lapses, I never never fill it up. Yeah, this, this last weekend we went to Zions, and I filled up my 64 for the first time maybe ever. I, but I did two, two, two time lapses. Two of them on that same card. On that same card. Oh, yeah. And lots of other shooting. So I had to switch over to a 32 gig. So, <laughs> um, But they're getting larger in capacity, too. They've got 128, 256, 512s now. And then next year, they're coming oh. out with that one terabyte SS, SD card. Not SSD, SD card. Do you know if it's fast? Is it a fast writing card? Well, you would think so. At one terabyte size, it should be able to write as fast as humanly possible, oh, and mechanically awesome. possible, as fast <laughs> as electrically possible. Not humanly. Um, uh, yeah. So um, the good thing is most of these cards are pretty weatherproof. I mean, the My64 gig went through the washer and the dryer, and then I used it last weekend, and I've only had a couple of weird issues with it since, but not at all this whole, this last weekend. that totally came through like a champ, so... Um, it's <laughs> amazing. So yeah, we're, I mean, seriously, some cards specifically say that they are like splash proof and stuff and some don't, mine doesn't. And it's still, but here's the thing. If you, there's different quality levels of SD cards. Mm. So it's definitely the cheap ones. You know, they're cheap. You know, they're cheap and they don't stay professional. If they say professional, they're going to cost you a few more dollars. That's usually the ones you want to get. <laughs> don't get the Cheapo ones you find at the grocery store, the side for 10 bucks, and it's like 16 gigs is a ripoff, you know, because 
I mean, if you're in a pinch, sure. But yeah. if you're ordering it and you're specifically getting something that you want to last, go on, go online and order it. You know, do yourself a favor. Um, and also, um, oh yeah, I already mentioned that. So yeah, I mean, what more can I say? It's it's this is our digital film. SD cards are pretty much a standard now. And uh, sometimes your camera will take compact flash as well. I know some of the Canons do both SD and compact flash. And I had um, I had a compact flash come with my 5D Mark III when I bought it used, but I never have it in now. I just take I just took it out and never put it back in. I never actually really used it. Do you have a brand that you trust or any that you felt you've tried and they suck? Um, I know there are lesser brands. Um, Basically, the ones that I've been really happy with are the Lexar Professionals, and most of the Sony ones I have have never, ever had a problem, ever. And so if you get a name brand, I, I really do like Lexar, and SanDisk is really good with SD cards as well. Yeah, never had a problem. that's what I have. I have had a problem with it, SanDisk SSD drives, but that's different. The SD cards, they've been, I mean, they've been making those forever. SanDisk is like one of the, you know, Pioneers. Industry standard. Yeah, they're industry standards. So, And Lexar as well. Lexar's been making memory for a long time, too. I think they started with uh, Compact Flash and even maybe even before that. They've So they've they've been around a long time, too. So mm, nice. They're trusted. So, yeah, that's uh, basically it. Cool. All right. Well, let's end this with the tip of the day. And I've already been talking about it, so I might as well give a little bit more specifics. So if you're thinking about buying an interferometer or deciding to go with Magic Lantern, I wanted to give you a little more information on what the differences or the identical parts are. The thing that I like about Magic Lantern is that you don't need an extra box. You know, there's not something else to worry about with its own battery source and all that stuff. It's already in the camera. It makes it so much more convenient. That's a what I love about it. Dangling apparatus that could blow in the wind and bang the tripod right. during the shot sometimes. Right. right. So on an interferometer, you're going to have a setting for self timer, long for the shutter for the shutter length, and then interval. The shutter and the self-timer add up to what the interval is. It, and unfortunately, the interval isn't acting separate, where you can say, okay, my very first shot, I don't want this to fire off immediately. I want to give it five seconds. And then from that point on, after your 15 seconds of shutter being run, go ahead and have an interval of every five seconds, do another picture. It just doesn't work that way. So when you use something like this Velo intervalometer, you'll want to set the self to be the time that you want between each picture. I choose five seconds typically. That's fine enough. You really can go two or three seconds. just depends on how many pictures you want to end up with. When I do the long, the shutter, I like to go with a 17-second exposure so that I have fewer stars. And then I also have a five-second interval between. So when you're setting on the Velo shutter boss, you want to do a five-second timer, self-timer, the long, for the shutter is 17 seconds, and then interval, you need to add that up. So 17 plus 5 is 22, and you're going to set the interval for 22. And if you do that, then it won't fight with you. Change your camera to bulb mode, get your settings right on your ISO and your f-stop, and then hit go. The big difference between using an intervalometer that is like this Velo shutter boss and pulling out 
Magic Lantern is going to be that you can set specifically the time that you want the picture to wait until the next picture is taken. Mm -hmm. You have it in manual mode and you're setting it for 20 seconds, then all you have to do is set Magic Lantern up to say how much time to wait before I hit the shutter again for you. Yeah, you can tell it to wait five minutes, take a 20 20 second exposure every five minutes if you want. And so it's not as much work and effort to try and figure out whether the intervalometer is cooperating with you and you're gonna have that interval between that you want it to have. And the best feature about it, absolute best, is that it tells you right there, hey, you're gonna have too many pictures taken on this, your Mm. card isn't that big. Plus it adds it up for you. This is three hours and two minutes. This is, is a really good feature. Oh, man, yeah. it's awesome. When you were doing that one night at Mirror Lake and you knew we only had so much time before uh, we should give the lights back to Royce, you knew that, hey, this is going to be another 45 minutes or an hour. What was it? Yeah, I think it was like 50 minutes. Yeah, 50 minutes. So some 50 something minutes. He knew for sure. We told Royce that was the case. He went back comfortable knowing that he'll have his stuff back soon enough. He can take a quick nap. And there we were waiting for that time last to end. Mm-hmm. When you use the intervalometer, it's really just your own choice. And after a while, you might forget. Oh, man. Or you have to pull out your calculator and figure it out. And it's just, yeah. Yeah. So if you are okay with having at least one of your cards installed with Magic Lantern, then go for it. I mean, that's the beauty of it is you're not changing your camera. You're only installing it to one SD card. You swap out that SD card for another one. Your camera's back to default settings, default interface. Mm-hmm. Nothing's changed. Right. So when you're thinking about doing a time lapse, consider a Velo Shutter Boss. Just know that you will have to set the self and the long and then add them up for the interval so that it handles correctly. Or use Magic Lantern and just tell it how long you want it to wait until the next shutter's hit. When you do want to go longer than 30 seconds than your camera can do, make sure you're in bulb mode and then set that setting up on Magic Lantern. Right on. So choose the Velo Shutter Boss if that's something you would like. It's nice because it has its own battery. It doesn't use the battery of the camera, but really, I don't notice Magic Lantern using up much battery. I think that's kind of a myth or a concern people want to create about it, but it's fine. I mean, it probably does a little bit, but if you got two batteries near, if you get an extended grip and two batteries, then it's not going to make any yeah. difference. So both are awesome, and I'm thinking I'm leaning towards Magic Lantern. It's far more simpler to use. Yeah. So thanks again, guys, for listening to our podcast. We wanted to talk about something on our website. Our website, photogadventures.com, we've added a newsletter where we're going to keep you guys posted on where we've been. So if you want to know, hey, this week Mirror Lake came out on Wednesday, but that Mirror Lake episode was back in July, and it's October right now. And Mm -hmm. so you think, what have they already recorded that's coming? You might not notice it on our events page. So in our newsletter, we're going to talk about where we've been, where we're recording, where we're going soon, and some of the information on a weekly basis changes. And so in the newsletter, you can keep up with us and know what's changed, like the Strawberry Pinnacles. We were going to go there, and then suddenly, nope, didn't work out. We're going to go to Bryce Canyon. We didn't know that until a week before. Right, right. So on the newsletter, you can follow along with us far more closely and see more behind-the-scenes stuff. And I wanted to put more in the newsletter about our gear recommendations, gear on our wish list, what we're hoping to buy, what we're hoping to add to our arsenal, and Mm. stuff like that. So there's more behind the scenes and interesting stuff there in the newsletter. So we would love for you to go on photogadventures.com, sign up for the newsletter, and right now, throughout the month of October, we're going to take all the names that have registered, picking one winner that we will send to you, a Photog Adventures t-shirt, Sweet Astrophotography. So get out there to our website, sign up for the newsletter, and get yourself in the running for that shirt. Thank you guys again for following us and listening to us on our Photog Adventure podcast. Yeah, thanks for listening, guys, and have a great day. See you guys again in a week.